atrium, come on in. We're gonna stand and worship. And we're just gonna ask the Spirit to fill this space, to fill our hearts. God, would you come in? Would you remind us of what you need to remind us? Let's see. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us.
Yes, let's continue clapping and celebrating. Thank you guys so much for being here this morning. The reason I thank you is because something special is about to happen. We're about to see baptism take place, which means Miss Anna here is going to be declaring publicly that she believes in Jesus Christ. And what I want to point our eyes to as we celebrate and worship in baptism this morning is, first of all, if you have been baptized in this room, remember your baptism. Let this stir your faith this morning. But I'm going to ask another group of people to raise hands. If you are here to celebrate Miss Anna, this whole crowd, please raise your hands right here. Yes, amazing. All of these people standing right here, Scripture is very clear, and Jesus is very clear when he says that good trees bear good fruit. This is a good tree of community. This is a good tree of families coming together, doing life together, encouraging one another in the Word, and it is bearing good fruit, good fruit this morning. So, Miss Anna, I would love for you to share your story with us. When I was younger, I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. After joining Caroline's Fuse Group, I gave my life to the Lord and started building my relationship with Him. I'm so excited to go public for Jesus because He has truly changed my life forever. Amen. So good. So good. Well, Miss Anna, I have a very important question to ask you. Who is your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ. It is based on your profession of faith in Jesus Christ that we have the honor through Caroline to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's so awesome. Thank you, Anna, for your step of faith today. Just like your prayer now, we can all pray this in song together. We never outgrow the prayer, God, I need you now. So let's call upon our God right now as we sing. I'm calling on the God of Jacob, whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of to do the same thing for me, for me, for me. Let's sing this together. God, I need you now. Oh, God, my God, I need you. Oh, God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh, rock, oh, rock of ages, I'm standing Let's 
God, today we say we need you. All we have is you. You're our only hope. You're our only satisfaction. Come on, everybody. Let's keep putting our eyes on him. Let's magnify him. Come on, sing with us. Here we go. Do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made All creation groaning is a new creation coming. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? 
Is it good if we remind ourselves of this? Yeah. His name is Jesus. So is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The light of Judah who conquered the grave. He is David's fruit and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Of our blessing and honor and glory, is He worthy of this? Yes. Father, truly love us. Oh, does the Spirit move among us? Does Jesus our Messiah hold forever those he loves? Oh, does our God intend to dwell again with us? He does. Come on, sing. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Thank you. I wish I could sing like that. <laughs> Praise God. Anybody excited to be in the house of God this morning? Amen. So good to Amen. see you. So good to see you. Hey, 
grab a seat. Say hello to someone around you really quick, if you don't mind. Not for 60 seconds. Just say hello yeah. to someone around you. <laughs> if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Hi King, and I serve as one of the pastors here, and I'm joined by... Yeah, my name is Lee McDermott, yeah. one of the pastors here. So grateful yeah. to be with you. Uh, the thing that's beautiful about today is that we also have an online audience, but we also have other campuses that are joining with us right now. So Anderson New Spring, can you put your hands together and yeah. help us Come welcome on, our other campuses that are in? So grateful you're here. Excited for the day. Absolutely. And can we one more round of applause for everyone who is new here to New, at new Spring today? Yeah. We're so grateful that you guys decided to join us this morning at every campus watching online. We're so thankful for you. All we want to do is connect with you and serve you. That's right. Yeah. Speaking of Connect, we have classes that are offered every single week at New Spring, wherever you are. I know coming into a space like this, or whether you're at another campus or this campus, and it can feel overwhelming. There's so many yeah. people you feel like, I don't know who I can connect with, etc. <laughs> we have classes just for you, and uh, it's a, a great way for you to get to know who we are as a church, what we believe, but also connect with other people. So if you're interested, do me a favor, pull out your phone and text the word CONNECT to the New Spring number 30303. That's it. One yeah. of the things we do every single week at this particular point in the message is we encourage you to worship God through giving. And the reason we do that is because the Bible has shocking promises from Amen. God about what happens when we bring the first 10% of all that God gives us back into the storehouse, which is the church. He says he'll open up the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that we won't have room enough to hold it all. In the New Testament, it also says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That's, that's a right. promise we can bank on. That's you right. also, that's what we want to encourage you. We don't want something from you. We want something for you today. Right. So we encourage you to worship God through yeah, giving. Please do that. I'm, I'm all eternally grateful for the way that my dad raised me oh, to same. continuously give the yes. first to God. Amen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so with that, I don't know if you guys are aware of this. If you've been a part of New Spring for quite some time, you know that back in the year of 2017, feels like a decade ago already, <laughs> uh, back in 2017, God gave the leadership of New Spring Church new core values. It's what's on the walls as you walk out into the atrium. This is who we desire to be as a church, and one of those is pursuing uncommon unity. That just simply means that we want everyone everywhere in peace with God and one another. That's right. And so today, we felt that it would be appropriate to give honor to a specific man who modeled this well in our nation through the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so this man's name is Dr. Martin Luther King. This is a, a celebration all weekend where folks will give honor to him, but he did it in a time where there wasn't much peace right. among brothers and sisters. And so what we, what we believe as a church is one, we wanna give thanks to God for how far he's brought us yeah. as a nation, yeah. but we also know that through the local body of Christ that there's still more work to do. Can I get an amen, somebody? Yeah. Yeah. And so what we're gonna do in this time is we would love for you to join us in a time of prayer. That's yeah. why Lee and I are up here this morning. We're gonna to go to the Lord in a time of prayer. That's right. We, High King and I crafted a prayer based on the Lord's prayer. That, accurate, that we that we feel reflects this heart, this desire of ours with God. So we want to invite you, wherever you are, to pray this with us. We're going to pray over you. And so you can just sit there, take this in. If there's a piece of this prayer that resonates with you, we want to hear you say amen. We want to hear you say yes, God, do it. Do it in our time. You're going to hear the words of the Lord's Prayer in here. We're not adding to the scriptures. We're not doing anything that's unbiblical here in this moment. We're just asking God to do in us all that he has in mind, to bring his vision for heaven to earth in our day. So would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed, and let's pray Amen. together. Our Father. Our Father. Not just my Father. And not just mine. Our, our Father, Father in, in heaven. 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. An everlasting kingdom. A kingdom of a great multitude that no one can number. From every nation. From all tribes. And peoples. And languages. This kingdom. This kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need for today. Both spiritually and physically. As we open our hands to give freely. Out of all that you have freely given us. And forgive us our debts as as we also have forgiven our debtors. At the level ground of the cross. Where you took our just punishment. Once and for all. And lead us not into temptation. Temptation toward division. Temptation toward disunity. Lead but deliver, us deliver us from, from evil. evil. Lead us into kingdom unity. Into kingdom reality. For, For yours, yours is, is the, the kingdom. kingdom. A great multitude that no one can number. From every nation. From all tribes and peoples and languages. Standing before your throne and before the Lamb. Clothed in white robes with palm branches in our hands. And crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. To Him. And to Him alone. Be the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Hey, New Spring family. I am just here at early a.m. as we are just concluding our first full week of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we just wanted to take a second this morning and invite you, if you've not been able to come yet, to please come along this week. I mean, this week along, I've, I've been able to see fathers praying over sons and, and grandmothers and mothers praying over daughters and, and granddaughters. I, I myself, even just this morning, got to gather around and believe for healing for someone. And, I, and something has happened in my faith as I've been able to gather with my brothers and sisters. And I'm just believing something can and will happen in your faith as you gather with brothers and sisters. And there's just an invitation from God over these remaining days that we have that you will find him when you seek him with all of your heart. That's what Jeremiah 29 verse 13 tells us. That's a promise for each and every person at every campus. So come on this week. And I'm just saying tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., let's gather together, let's keep Keep believing, and now is the perfect time to jump in. So, every campus, I'll see y'all tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Well, good morning, church. How are we? I want to invite everybody to put their hands together and say hello to one another across 14 campuses. So good to see you, church. You look great. Uh, You just got a chance there to hear from Meredith, and so I just want to just tell you how encouraging this week was. We had thousands of people show up between 6 and 7 a.m. to pray. Uh, It was awesome. I want to really highlight the fact that there's been a ton of middle school and high school students there. And so by way of that, they've brought their mom and dad with them too. And so mom and dad, thanks for giving some of them rides. But it's few students. Well done. You guys have been encouraging me all week. I had the chance on Friday to be down at our Myrtle Beach campus and pray with them. It was great to be at the Myrtle Beach campus as well. And uh, we are in a a time of prayer. This is something we do every single year because we want to focus and calibrate our entire church around the things of God. 
It gives us a chance to tithe the year. And, uh, and so tomorrow morning, I want to go ahead and let you set your alarm clock now if you want to, okay? Make sure you set it for a.m., not p.m. Maybe text a friend that needs to be there with you. And let's just keep letting this build, believing that God is doing some incredible things through this 21 days of prayer. I uh, want to celebrate last weekend with you for a moment. Pastor Lee McDermott was actually preaching. And, y'all, we had the largest Sunday attendance we've had since COVID. So on all of our campuses, uh, if there's a little bit more folks or you had to spend the time in Greenville, I was there last week and the parking lot's crazy. So uh, get there early, carpool if you need to, but man, uh, get to know some folks uh, if you're around and there's a lot of folks coming back to church, welcome. Uh, New Spring Church, we have already said this this morning, but our heart vision is that we want to see everyone everywhere have an everyday relationship with Jesus. So if you're leaning in here and you're a guest today, that's the heartbeat of this church. We, we believe God wants to have a relationship with you, not just on a Sunday morning, but every single day, and you were designed for that, that you're going to live in eternity in that reality, but we want to give you the tools and resources so that you might uh, actually develop into who God's called you to be right here and right now. Uh, another little thing while you're opening your Bibles to Psalm 67, if you'd like to go ahead and do that, you can open them to Psalm 67 or open them up on the app. We're in a prayer series because we're doing this 21 days of prayer, and we're praying through the Psalms, and today we're going to be in Psalm 67. And uh, while you're turning there, I wanted to celebrate with you because today is the last day of our overflow offering season, church. And as of right now, we have seen over 2,600 uh, families give towards the overflow offering, which is incredible. So well done, families, given to this. But we have also seen that our debt as a church has gone down below $2.8 million. So that's a big, big deal. Uh, if you're part of the New Spring family, you know this, but several years ago we were at $47-ish million in debt. Now we're at $2.8 million left. And so God's been faithful over the last six years. And so we are, again, just believing that we're going to be able to plant more churches we're going to be able to help and partner with more mission. And uh, all the facilities that we're gathered in today are about to all be paid for. So if uh, you want to get in on that, you haven't gotten a chance to give, today's the last time to give to that overflow offering. And then we'll, we'll launch it again next Christmas season. So thank all of you guys. I'm so grateful to be, uh, again, loving, lovingly from the staff and pastors. So grateful to be here together with you and pastoring with all the team. Uh, a generous people. So grateful for that. All right, are you ready for the word? If you are, say, I'm ready. All right, let's read Psalm 67 together. Psalm 67. Here's the word of God. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all the nations. Let the peoples praise you. Oh God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase, God. Our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the earth fear him. Father God, this is your word. We have read it, and now we invite it to read us. Would you form your people? And we thank you for the truth that has been buried here. Help me humbly, God, now to unpack it and help us to get a hold of it, 
knowing that it is powerful and it changes things. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to share with you four truths that I believe God wants to give to you today out of this text. But before I get to those four things that God wants to give to you, I'd love for you to jot something down if you're taking notes. Uh, This is a principle that Pastor Lee shared last week, and it's a really important principle. If if you're new to Jesus or new to the church, uh, a lot of times there's a lot of things that are said that make church really complex. But I want you to know it truly is very simplistic, and this principle that Pastor Lee shared last week is one of the most simple truths that you need to get a hold of, and it simply is this. The first principle of devotional life is that you have to let God love you. You have to do it. The first principle of devotional life, if you're going to have an everyday relationship with with God, which is what you were intended from the beginning to have, you've got to let God love you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you permission to talk a little bit this morning. You've got to turn and lock eyes with somebody and say, let God love you. Let God love you. If you're watching online, I want you to know you've got to let God love you. Now, I, I know that might seem like that's overly simplistic, but this is where relationship with God begins, is letting God love you. In the very beginning in Genesis, God was in relationship with his creation, and they let God love him. And at the very end in Revelation, when you get to the back, we're going to be with him every single day for eternity, and we're going to let God love us. And all of the Christian life is lived out of that connection, Jesus would call it, in his very last sermon to the disciples before he goes to the cross, he would call this remaining or abiding in the Lord. And if we're going to see fruitfulness in our lives, if we're going to see fruitfulness in our prayer life, we've got to let God love us. Augustine, one of the great pastors of old, wasn't always a pastor. He was actually born a Roman citizen, and he was a rhetorician. He was a lawyer. He was a complete pagan, like a proud pagan. He had a mistress. He had children with this mistress. And he was blown away by the love and good news of Jesus around the 300s. And one of the things that Augustine said later after being blown away by the love of God, after he had let God love him, he, his encouragement with Christians was, if you will just reflect that love back to God, if you'll just love God, you can actually do whatever you want. The Christian life is just loving God and then doing whatever you want. Because if that love connection, that vertical, vertical love connection with God is established, you're not going to do anything that's going to offend God or make the heart of God sad. You're going to love out of the love he first gave us, is what John tells us in 1 John 4. We love because he first loved us. Amen? And so with that in mind, I want to show you four things from this passage in Psalm 67 that the Lord wants to give us. The first one, if you're writing down, is that God wants to give you a blessing. God wants to give you a blessing. And it's a blessing he wants to give you to receive. You've got to receive it. He's put it on offer. It's right there in the very first part of this passage, but you must receive it. In uh, verse 1, it says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. Make his face to shine upon us. And then it goes on to say that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among the nations. So God wants to bless us, and he wants to bless us with namely his salvation. And this, this comes actually, this language, if you would have been in the audience and heard this psalm back then, written thousands of years ago, you would have immediately picked up on where this blessing comes from. It comes from the very first blessing in the scriptures that God's priest would give to God's people. It's known as the priestly blessing. 
It was given by Aaron, so it's known as the ironic blessing. Maybe you've heard it called the ironic blessing, and you say, well, I don't know what ironic blessing is. It's not ironic blessing. It's the aaronic blessing, aaronic blessing, all right? Aaronic blessing. Some of y'all got it. Aaronic blessing. The ironic blessing is when Moses and Aaron are leading the people out of Exodus and into the promised land, God says these words in Numbers chapter 6, verse 22, he says these words. He says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron. There's where he gets its name. Aaron and his sons, his sons would become priests. So this is the first priest. And his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, here it is, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom or peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. So this is known as the ironic blessing. I have a very important question to ask. Where are my Star Trek fans on all of our campuses? Show of hands. Where are the Trekkies at? A couple of Trekkies. How do Trekkies say hello to each other? How do they say hello to each other in Star Trek world? Do I remember? I see the camera person right here behind this camera is giving me the, the blessing right now. I see it right there. Okay, this is kind of crazy, but, you know, be, live long and prosper, right, if you're a Trekkie. My dad was a Trekkie, so I grew up having to watch Star Trek with him. I didn't know there was like a whole tribe of Star Trek people. I didn't know that the Star Trek people and the Star Wars people apparently compete. I don't know what the big competition is about anyway. But uh, live long and prosper. Here's the point I'm bringing this up. This is what I think of when I see this symbol. But the creator of Star Trek was actually Jewish. And so this is actually the sign of the ironic blessing. Little known fact. And so what the priests would do is they would hold up this sign and they would say that blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. They'd hold up their hands vertically and bless the people of God. It's, it's actually a Jewish letter. It's called the Sheen. It's the first part of the Shema, okay, which is about entering into the peace of God. And so the, the priest, Aaron, and all his sons to follow would hold up this at the end of the service and bless God's people. That's why if you grew up in church and you've heard pastoral blessing, what we would call the benediction at the end of a service, that's where it comes from. It comes from right here. What does all this have to do with anything? Well, I just want to just say this because there's been some confusion. There's been a really, really big misunderstanding. Do you know what God is trying to do? He's not trying to strike you with lightning. He's not trying to judge you. He's not. The primary thing God's trying to do to you is he's trying to, look at me, he's trying to bless you. God desires to bless you. This is the posture God has towards you. But it's a blessing you have to receive. And right here at the start of this psalm, you see all of this idea that God wants to bless you. But the rest of this passage and what we're going to talk about the rest of the day, you cannot do unless you will let God bless you first. You've got to let God bless you with his salvation or the rest of what we talk about today will never work. As a matter of fact, I'll come back to this point at the end. There's a lot of people that are going to try to do the things that we're going to activate at the end, but they haven't walked in the salvation of Jesus, and it's what makes it not work because they've never actually received the salvation of Jesus Christ. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. It's going to make sense in just a little bit. The first thing God wants to give you is a blessing. So it opens up with a blessing. The second thing that God wants to show you is he wants to show you a picture. He's going to give us in this passage a picture, and I'm going to paint it for you in just a moment, not literally, but figuratively. I'm not much of a painter. But it's a painting, a picture in this psalm. 
And so the psalm actually is a chiasm. Now, chiasm is a structure thing. If you're an English major or you know anything about form and structure, this, this actual psalm, it builds from the outside in. And so the beginning and the end of the psalm all build to the middle. And uh, we've talked about this before here on stage and preached about this. And you can go back and watch that. It was in the Sermon on the Mount series. But all a chiasm is, 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 a, is a Semitic structure. In the West, in Greek world, where we all get our writing from, we begin a story over here and we write, 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 write. We make our point towards the end. That's the way we tell stories. That's the way we do movies, et cetera, et cetera. But in the Bible and in the Hebrew day, in the East, Semitic language, they actually don't make the point of the story at the end. Many times they put the point of the story in the very middle. And that's exactly what's happening. If you've got a copy of the scriptures open in Psalm 67, you will notice that the beginning and the end of the psalm are talking about blessing. And then you move inside another layer and you have a, a picture of nations worshiping. And then you move in another layer and dead at the middle is verse 4. And there is someone who is seen in verse 4. And I wonder if we will see this picture. In verse 4 of Psalm 67, it says this. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations upon the earth. So question, who's the you? Who's the you that all these people are singing to? Who's the you that the Hebrew nation was worshiping thousands of years ago? Who is the you? that is judging and guiding. This is king language, and the you is Jesus Christ sitting on a throne. And he's sitting on a throne, literally in the verses, surrounded by nations worshiping him. Look at verses three and look at verses five. They're the same exact language. It says, oh God, let the peoples praise you, oh God. Let all the peoples praise you. And so you have a king on the throne and right on one side of him are people's praising him. And on the other side of him are people's praising him. Does that draw anybody's mind to any pictures they've seen in scriptures before? It's the picture of Revelation. It's the picture that perhaps you even sang at your campus today. As we talked about all worth is yours. All honor and glory. You're worthy of all blessing and honor and glory. If you love songs like the Revelation song that was written by Carrie Job, or the song we perhaps we sang this morning, Worthy is the Lamb, who, who can open the seal? This all comes from this picture. It's the picture of worship in the end, the picture of heaven. It's written by John, actually, and John talks about this picture. In, uh, in Revelation 5, in verse 9, it says this. It says, and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll, King Jesus, and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From where? Look at it, church. From every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. So if you open up your Bible, you're going to see that there's a... There's a worship there. There's a picture of worship. There's a king on the throne and there's worship all around him. And this worship is not just one kind of people. This worship is every nation and language and, and there's all kinds of people there, which brings me to my third point this morning. So not only do we have a, a blessing to receive, not only do we have a, a picture of worship, but there's actually, there's a sound that God wants to give us to hear. There's a sound 
And so we're reading these words, but I just want to ask you a question. What do you think the worship in heaven sounds like? What do you think it sounds like? Uh, Several years ago, I had the chance to go to Kenya on a mission trip. Very first time I'd ever been to Kenya. As a matter of fact, I was greeting this morning. I saw some friends that I made over there in Kenya, uh, and I told them I'm going to talk about our trip. And uh, anybody ever heard anybody worshiping in another language? Show of hands. Worshiping in another language? Yeah, yeah. Uh, If you've ever been to one of our Spanish nights of worship, it's one of the coolest things ever. It's not my primary language. I know a little bit of Spanish, but it's incredible to see other people worshiping in another language. We went to Kenya on this mission trip. It was a medical mission trip, but we got to do a lot of different services. And I had only been on staff here at the church probably 16, 18 months, something like that. And they invite you to preach, but they preach and you preach through a translator. And so you may say, hey, Jesus loves you. And then they translate it to Swahili. But then they would translate it to another dialect after that. So it's like three-part echo. It's like Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. And so it's really kind of clunky to preach this way. Because you're preaching and waiting and preaching to wait. But one of the things that wasn't clunky, church, was when we got together to worship. Because we started worshiping, you could just sense in each person that they're worshiping the same God. And there was one word, by the way, that I understood in Swahili. Do you know what that one word was? Hallelujah. Why don't you say it out loud on three on all of our campuses? One, two, three. Hallelujah. Now, come on, a little better. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Did you know that hallelujah is the same in every language? You might be speaking Cantonese in China today and you say hallelujah, they know what you mean. You might be speaking Portuguese in Brazil today and you say hallelujah, they know what you mean. You might be speaking uh, Spanish today and you, you might say hallelujah and they say, oh yeah, I know what that means. It means praise God. It's a, it's a Hebrew word, Hallel and Yahweh, praise to Yahweh, hallelujah. You see, there's a sound in heaven and it's a universal sound. It's the sound of praise to God. And I believe this is one of the hardwired things that God has done in the language of the people of the earth. It's actually a, a pointer. If we're going to ever figure out how to do unity, listen to me. If we're going to ever figure out how to do unity on Martin Luther King weekend in America, we've got to understand that the key to unity is found in the word hallelujah. Worship of Jesus together. He wants to bless us with salvation in Jesus. He wants to show us that there's a picture around the throne of Jesus. And he wants us to receive a sound. The sound of hallelujah is the key to unity. Because can I just be honest with this church? Unity's hard. Can I get an amen? It's hard. It's hard in whatever generation we're in. It's hard whether you're in America or whether you're in France. It's hard whether you're in Zambia or whether you're in Portugal. Unity's hard. It's not going to be easy. But the Lord wants to give us a, a sound that helps us walk into unity. Did you notice in the picture in Revelation 5 that there was no discord, no division, no fighting? You know why? Because there was the sound of worship. And there was the worship of the only one who can bring us into unity. You see, we have unity and diversity under the banner of hallelujah. Praise to God. Amen? And so I want to give you a chance this weekend to take a hold of this because the world, listen to me, look at me. The world's asking the question. Because the world can feel that there needs to be more unity. And the world's solution is that if we just get the right politician elected. If we just get the right policies passed. And the church is the people that hold the key. No, actually, if we just understand that we're all broken 
and we're all sinful and we're all falling short. But if we will just allow Jesus Christ to create humility in our hearts, we will get to a place of unity and diversity. And it's around the throne of Jesus Christ. It's around the sound of hallelujah. Amen. Come on. And so Jesus wants to give us a sound today. Now, the first three things are things that he wants to give us. The fourth one is, I believe, something hopefully you feel in your own heart. I want you to write this down. Jesus also wants to give us a mission to embrace. He wants to give us a blessing to receive. He wants to give us a picture to see in our minds. He wants to give us a sound to hear, but he wants to give us a mission to embrace. And I said at the top of this message that there's no way to embrace this mission if we miss point number one. You cannot go out into the earth and take a hold of the mission of Jesus if you don't first let God love you. Because you'll go outside into the world we live in and you'll try to take your ideas or your human effort or your emotion or your indignation and you will not be walking in the love of Jesus. You're not going to change the world without the love of Jesus, friend. you got to have the love of Jesus. But there is a mission to embrace. And this mission is that we are called, look at me, we are called to not wait for heaven one day, but to bring heaven to earth today. Now, again, I love, I love good preaching. I love the truth of the gospel that if we receive Jesus Christ and we, we receive the forgiveness of Christ, that we will get to experience heaven in eternity. But listen to me, one of the things that can happen is we can we can get saved when we're 13 and think the rest of our life is just kind of living an escapist life until we get to go to heaven one day and we live without a purpose and without a mission for 40, 50, 60 years waiting on heaven. And I want you to know that is what Satan tries to do to make Christians fall asleep while they're here on earth and go, shh, just, just, just try to build your 401k for those 60 years you're on earth. Just, to, just try to climb the, the ladder of success while you're here on earth. Just try to, to acquire homes and material. Just, just fall asleep here on earth. You're saved and you'll go to heaven. But the, the enemy has got us believing that we, we go to heaven when we die. We don't get to bring heaven on earth. But the Lord's Prayer, the one that we just prayed on all of our campuses today, it reminds us right there in the middle of the prayer that your kingdom come, your will be done where? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, we're supposed to be new creation signposts to the ultimate new creation in heaven one day. And that right now, when it comes to living on mission, I want you to look around the room you're in today. You are doing it. Every single time we make a decision on a Sunday morning to not lay in our beds and to get up and get dressed and to come out from our homes and to gather with people not like us from backgrounds that are not ours, that might have different opinions that differ than ours, but come together under Jesus Christ, we are beginning to preach the gospel. This is really important in a day post-coronavirus where folks have just settled for staying at home. And listen, I'm not throwing any shade to my loved ones that are watching online today. Technology is beautiful. And if you're home and you're sick or you're traveling and you're on the road or whatever reason you, you're, you're there and you're not here, I want you to know that this is a fantastic resource. We need to leverage technology. But I want you to know that we have got to be on mission. And part of our mission is coming and being a part of the people of God in a community, singing hallelujah, and standing side by side with men and women that are completely different in the socioeconomic world and in the ethnicity world that have different pigmentation than me. And that there is something beautiful 
And actually, Ephesians chapter 3 says that it is a signpost not to just people that in the scene realm, but it says that the angels and the demons are looking on and they see, Ephesians 3, go read it, it says they see the manifestation of the fullness of the church and we are preaching to the unseen realm that heaven has come and is coming. The kingdom of God has come and is coming. And so I just want to encourage you that you are living right now on mission if you're in the building today. Be here next week and we'll live on mission some more. Be here tomorrow morning as we get together and pray and we'll live on mission some more. We have a mission to embrace. The way that we specifically have phrased this mission in our value statements at New Spring Church is that we want to be a people that are pursuing uncommon unity. We desire to be a people that are both multi-generational, Gen Z all the way up to the oldest person at a campus today. We desire not only to be a multi-generational people, but a multi-ethnic people because that's what this Bible right here tells us is coming. Now, I, wanna, I, I, I got a green light this morning from the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to my conservative friends. And I want you to know, don't you let people, listen to me, don't you let people that are around you try to intimidate you by celebrating the kingdom of God this weekend because they're going to label you as quote-unquote woke. We have to be more kingdom of God than we're worried about politically correct. Now, this weekend, we're going to talk about Dr. King. Come back next week, we're going to talk about sanctity of life. We're going to get everybody up in here nice and offended by the word of God. Okay? And this is one of the most beautiful things we have an opportunity to do. So if you're not a Christ follower, we should confuse you. Because we're not going to fit into the political mold of America. We're going to fit into the kingdom mold of this word. And we're going to be a multi-ethnic, multi-generational people. And it's not because Disney told us to. That's not the, that's not the mold. It's going to be because Jesus Christ, long before there were elephants and donkeys, died for it. And the blood of the lamb is making a people today on every part of the world. And he has called us to care about being vertical, not right or left. And so I want to give you permission this weekend as we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King, who loved Jesus and qualified himself as a believer and took up the tools of Jesus to practice nonviolence in the face of some really incredible opposition. And he had a dream. And do you know what dream he put in front of people on that Washington Mall? Go read it. He put Revelation 5, 9 and Revelation 7, 9 in front of people, people that might not have known Jesus. And he said, I've got a dream one day that there will be young people, children from every ethnic background holding hands. Go read it. And they'll be gathered around a throne and they see the glory of God. That's what he said. He was preaching revelation to political people. And that dream that he had, it's being done today. Look around your campus. That's the picture, friends. Last weekend, I was at our Greenville campus, y'all, and I, I got moved. And so if you want to be encouraged, go visit another campus. I got moved because I was looking around the room in Greenville last weekend. I'm going to tell you something. There were old people there and there were young people there. There were black people there and there were white people there and there was every shade in between. And I was watching everybody sing that hallelujah in worship. And they didn't know I was preaching this message today, but I did. And the Holy Spirit was working on me. I walked out in the atrium after the service. And I'm just standing in the atrium hugging folks and saying hello. And I see this 30-year-old woman walking to me with, 
with tears in her eyes, and I could tell she wanted to tell me something. And she came to me, and she started speaking to me in broken English. And her story goes something like this. Jesus met her in her dreams when she was a young girl in Iran. And then a missionary came and told her who that Jesus in her dreams was. And she gave her life to Christ. She not only gave her life to Christ, she led her mama and her family to Christ as well. And she had a, a cross to bear because she gave her life to Christ. You see, her Muslim husband divorced her. And she found her way to the United States and she found her way to the people of God. And she came to me with tears in her eyes and she said, I just pastor, I want to say thank you, your church. And it's not my church. I'm just one of the pastors here, just like all the other pastors here. Your church is my home. God's building a no ordinary family. And y'all, I just got blessed last week with my sister from Iran who had met Yeshua, my savior and her savior. I take two steps from that conversation and I walk into a conversation with an with a Anglo brother. That's white for some of y'all, all right? My Anglo brother tells me that this has been his church for the last four or five years, that he came to Greenville, South Carolina, an atheist. And he got cancer. And as an atheist with cancer, he was lying in the hospital and he was anticipating death and had a lot of questions about eternity because you know there's no atheists in foxholes. Everybody knows that. He said that there was a nurse that came to his bedside and asked if she could lay hands and pray on him. Thank you so much, nurses and doctors. I love you guys. Undercover missionaries. And he said, you know, I'm an atheist, but I'll let you pray. I'm in, I'm in a desperate place. He said he let that nurse pray, and she prayed in Jesus' name, and he felt something in his soul change. And he ended up giving his life to Jesus, and he would find out through the next few weeks that not only did Jesus saved his soul, but he gave him physical health as well. Now, six years later, he is physically healthy, and he's a part of our Greenville campus as well. And God is building a beautiful people from every nation and tribe and background. And we're all going to sing hallelujah in eternity, but I want to invite you to start singing hallelujah now. We're all a picture of the new kingdom, but I want you to recognize we're a picture now. So the next time it's a little bit wet outside and rainy on a Sunday morning, get yourself out of bed and come preach the gospel with brothers and sisters and sing a hallelujah. The next time that your kids are acting crazy on a Sunday morning, I know how that goes, fight it and get them dressed up and come and bring a hallelujah because we're preaching the new creation. And I want you to, this weekend and every single weekend we celebrate Dr. King weekend, I want you to just engage with your friends at work and your friends at school and you point out the new kingdom that's coming. Because Dr. King was on to something and we can embrace it. And we can talk about how the kingdom of God is a kingdom that's beyond this kingdom. We can live vertically and not be caught up and distracted by living right or left. Invite people to something more, something transcendent. You see, listen to me, friends. Our mission exists where worship doesn't. Our personal mission and the mission we need to live on, it, it exists where worship like that doesn't. And it doesn't exist in our world today. So our mission exists where worship doesn't. And as we come to a time of close, I want to go ahead and invite you on all of our campuses to stand to your feet. And as you stand to your feet, I'm going to tell you a story. It's a beautiful picture of this exact thing that happened about 300 years ago. You see, in early 1700, 1727 as a matter of fact, there was some persecution that was happening in Europe. It actually was persecution that was falling out because of the Reformation. And there were some people from the nation of Moravia, 
Moravians that were being persecuted. And so they left their homeland and they moved. They found, they found sanctuary in modern day Germany. There was a 27 year old man that had inherited a whole bunch of land. His name is Count Zinzendorf. That's a fun name to say, Count Zinzendorf. And at 27, he had all this land and he had these refugees that were coming and they found places of sanctuary on his property. They essentially squatted there and he said you could stay because they were all Christians following Jesus. And they, they started having all kinds of discord and division because you can imagine people from different backgrounds trying to wear property rights and where, 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 you know, they just had a whole bunch of disunity. And so Count Zinzendorf started inviting them to pray together. So they started praying together and as they prayed together, their division and discord went away and God gave them unity. Isn't that cool how that works? As they prayed together, God gave them unity. And then they not only began in praying together, they began worshiping together, and there began to be a prayer movement. Listen to me, you can go and Google this. They prayed together, and people continued praying on that same property for 100 years. It's now known as the Moravian Prayer Movement. Because what would happen is as they started praying, they recognized that mission existed where worship didn't. And so... God would unite them in prayer and then show them where they needed to go out and live on mission. The first two to go and live on mission heard about slaves in the Caribbean that had never heard the good news of Jesus. And these two men were carpenters and sold themselves into slavery to go and tell slaves in the Caribbean about the good news of Jesus. And they get on a ship and it's, they get on the ship to wave goodbye to their family, this was the line. You've heard it before. I think we've even talked about it from this stage before. Here was the line that they would yell from the ship, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Now, I'm just going to be honest. I hear that and I think, oh my God, that's radical. These guys sold themselves into slavery and left their family and friends to go and share the good news with people that would never hear it? May the lamb that was slain and what well, may he receive the, the reward of his suffering? But I just want to tell you, friends, God's invited us into a radical following of him. We're going to worship for eternity, but we're only going to be on mission for a season. Would you come and go on mission? And God might not call you across the Atlantic, but he might call you across the street. He might call you across the classroom. He might call you across the train tracks. He might call you across the cubicle. He might call you across the job site. God still does this. When you are so moved by the worth of King Jesus, you will go on mission. And you will help people get a picture and a sound and receive that blessing of salvation. So today, I want to invite you to come and be refreshed again. For you today, if you've never received Christ, in your room there's a cross. Come and receive the blessing of forgiveness of sins. Eternity, eternal security where you don't have to fear death and dying because you're going to live forever. And not only death and dying, but you get to also live on mission now. The next series, friends, we're going to talk about the crisis of meaning that people are walking in. You want to you live a life of meaning and purpose? Come get some of Jesus. He'll show you what real meaning and purpose is. You can come and respond to the cross in just a moment if you need him. 
If you're a Christian or a saint in the room, you've already received Jesus. Come and be refreshed by receiving communion. Be reminded that Jesus Christ gave his body and blood to you, not just so you can go to heaven one day, but so you might bring heaven in our world today. Amen? So come and be refreshed in that way. If you want to receive prayer, we've got prayer areas. You might need prayer for healing, like the story I just shared of my friend that had cancer on his deathbed. You might need to come and receive prayer for healing for something physical or something at your home or maybe some strife in your marriage or in relationship. Come and receive prayer today. Maybe today you want to respond by worshiping. Hallelujah! The sound of unity as we worship Jesus Christ. Or maybe you want to respond by giving. You can do all of that, but I just want you to make a plan. And let's respond in an everyday way over this next week. Amen? Let's pray together and now I'll invite you to respond. With head bowed and eyes closed, ministry teams, if you want to go ahead and make your way to the, the spaces you're going to be in, come now. And Father God, would you be blessed? We love you. Would you bless your church in these days as we have a chance to engage while people are asking for the question of what unity looks like and how in the world are we going to get unity in America? How in the world are we going to get unity post-coronavirus in the middle of political strife, in the middle of economic strife? How are we going to get unity? Lord, would you put a people in the way that says, I know a solution. I know the way for unity. I know how we find it. And Lord, would you put the words, hallelujah, praise God in our mouths and in our hearts so that we might take unity into our spaces. We ask, King Jesus, that you be honored. Would you refresh us now as we respond to you? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you come now and respond? Good morning. Wherever you're at uh, joining us this morning, first I want to thank you for taking time. To, to spend your morning with us and enjoy, I hope you enjoyed worship and the word that we had um, from Brad. One thing that resonated me while he was talking that I wanted to encourage you with is uh, all of the things that followed, all the blessing that followed his initial point of Jesus as Savior, the initial blessing of Jesus, none of that comes without that. So I, as I was praying, listening to the message, I felt like there may be someone that was watching online that needed to give their life to the Lord, that you needed to, to ask Jesus to save you, uh, and we can help you with that. So I would love to um, point you towards texting church online to 30303. And not only can you give your life to the Lord there, but if you've got something you would like for us to pray with you for, or you just want to talk to someone, you can fill out a form that comes back to you. Uh, someone will reach out to you from a campus close to you and we'll get you connected. You can also give uh, through texting church online to 30303. So I want to welcome Brad in. Um, great job, man. Thank you. Hey, brother. Love you. Great word. Hey, y'all. Yep. Uh, so what do you have you'd like to share with the folks that are watching online? Yeah, I just want to double down on a little bit of uh, the point that I made earlier about... Um, being with the people of God. Mm. And I just want to really say and lock eyes with you and say, I love you. And we love technology. And we love leveraging technology. Because it is incredible if you're in a space where you're homebound or with a kid's sick or where you're traveling for you to stay in conversation with what God is doing in your church. But I just want to just double down and say, don't settle for it. Don't settle for watching online. Don't let the enemy lull you to sleep and just, you know, staying in your jammies and it is nice. But there is a point where we have got to recognize that we are little models of new creation mm -hmm. when we come together. And when we make the effort, we actually preach the gospel to a world around us and to an unseen world that is also around us. So make it a point 
to get out of bed and to get with the people of God every single week. And, and I will say, it doesn't have to be New Spring Church. Yeah. Get to a church. Get to a church. Be a part of a church. And tomorrow morning, Riley, we're going to be gathering at 6 a.m. right here to pray. That's and right. so you might have a chance tomorrow morning to jump out and get up early and come pray with people uh, from every tribe, nation, and background as yeah. we uh, so enter into a 21-day prayer. You don't know this yet, but just so y'all know, and I don't know about every campus, but here in Anderson, people are embracing that. This is the biggest service, our 915 gathering. It's the biggest gathering that we've had uh, since COVID wow. on a holiday weekend. And so I want to encourage you that God is stirring people to re-engage in community, to re-engage in church. So if you're sitting there watching right now, I want to invite you Come back next Sunday and come tomorrow morning. Uh, we got prayer tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. all over the state, and that'll be happening Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, too, uh, as we continue in our everyday prayer series and 21 days of prayer. So I want to invite you to that. If we can do anything for you, we want to help in any way that we can. We love you and hope you have a great week.
Well, good morning, church. How are we? I want to invite everybody to put their hands together and say hello to one another across 14 campuses. So good to see you, church. You look great. Uh, you just got a chance there to hear from Meredith. And so I just want to just tell you how encouraging this week was. We had thousands of people show up between 6 and 7 a.m. to pray. Uh, it was awesome. I want to really highlight the fact that there's been a ton of middle school and high school students there. And so by way of that, they've brought their mom and dad with them too. And so mom and dad, thanks for giving some of them rides. But it's few students. Well done. You guys have been encouraging me all week. I had the chance on Friday to be down at our Myrtle Beach campus and pray with them. It was great to be at the Myrtle Beach campus as well. And uh, we are in a, a time of prayer. This is something we do every single year because we want to focus and calibrate our entire church around the things of God. It gives us a chance to tithe the year. And, uh, and so tomorrow morning, I want to go ahead and let you set your alarm clock now if you want to, okay? Make sure you set it for a.m., not p.m. Maybe text a friend that needs to be there with you. And let's just keep letting this build, believing that God is doing some incredible things through this 21 days of prayer. Uh, want to celebrate last weekend with you for a moment. Pastor Lee McDermott was actually preaching. And y'all, we had the largest Sunday attendance we've had since COVID. So on all of our campuses, uh, if there's a little bit more folks or you had to spend the time in Greenville, I was there last week and the parking lot's crazy. So uh, get there early, carpool if you need to, but man, uh, get to know some folks uh, if you're around and there's a lot of folks coming back to church, welcome. Uh, New Spring Church, we have already said this this morning, but our heart vision is that we want to see everyone everywhere have an everyday relationship with Jesus. So if you're leaning in here and you're a guest today, that's the heartbeat of this church. We, we believe God wants wants to have a relationship with you, not just on a Sunday morning, but every single day, and you were designed for that, that you're going to live in eternity in that reality, but we want to give you the tools and resources so that you might uh, actually develop into who God's called you to be right here and right now. Uh, another little thing while you're opening your Bibles to Psalm 67, if you'd like to go ahead and do that, you can open them to Psalm 67 or open them up on the app. We're in a prayer series because we're doing this 21 days of prayer, and we're praying through the Psalms, and today we're going to be in Psalm 67. And uh, while you're turning there, I wanted to celebrate with you because today is the last day of our overflow offering season, church. And as of right now, we have seen over 2,600 uh, families give towards the overflow offering, which is incredible. So well done, families, given to this. But we have also seen that our debt as a church has gone down below $2.8 million. So that's a big, big deal. Uh, if you're part of the New Spring family, you know this, but several years ago we were at $47-ish million in debt. Now we're at $2.8 million left. And so God's been faithful over the last six years. And so we are, again, just believing that we're going to be able to plant more churches we're going to be able to help and partner with more mission. And uh, all the facilities that we're gathered in today are about to all be paid for. So if uh, you want to get in on that, you haven't gotten a chance to give, today's the last time to give to that overflow offering. And then we'll, we'll launch it again next Christmas season. So thank all of you guys. I'm so grateful to be, uh, again, loving, lovingly from the staff and pastors. So grateful to be here together with you and pastoring with all the team. Uh, a generous people. So grateful for that. All right, are you ready for the word? If you are, say, I'm ready. All right, let's read Psalm 67 together. Psalm 67. Here's the word of God. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all the nations. Let the peoples praise you. Oh God, let all the peoples praise you. 
Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the earth fear him. Father God, this is your word. We have read it, and now we invite it to read us. Would you form your people? And we thank you for the truth that has been buried here. Help me humbly, God, now to unpack it and help us to get a hold of it, knowing that it is powerful and it changes things. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to share with you four truths that I believe God wants to give to you today out of this text. But before I get to those four things that God wants to give to you, I'd love for you to jot something down if you're taking notes. Uh, this is a principle that Pastor Lee shared last week, and it's a really important principle. If, if you're new to Jesus or new to the church, uh, a lot of times there's a lot of things that are said that make church really complex. But I want you to know it truly is very simplistic. And this principle that Pastor Lee shared last week is one of the most simple truths that you need to get a hold of, and it simply is this. The first principle of devotional life is that you have to let God love you. You have to do it. The first principle of devotional life, if you're going to have an everyday relationship with, with God, which is what you were intended from the beginning to have, you've got to let God love you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you permission to talk a little bit this morning. You've got to turn and lock eyes with somebody and say, let God love you. Let God love you. If you're watching online, I want you to know you've got to let God love you. Now, I, I know that might seem like that's overly simplistic, but this is where relationship with God begins is letting God love you. In the very beginning in Genesis, God was in relationship with his creation and they let God love him. And at the very end in Revelation, when you get to the back, we're going to be with him every single day for eternity and we're going to let God love us. And all of the Christian life is lived out of that connection. Jesus would call it in his very last sermon to the disciples before he goes to the cross, he would call this remaining or abiding in the Lord. And if we're going to see fruitfulness in our lives, if we're going to see fruitfulness in our prayer life, we've got to let God love us. Augustine, one of the great pastors of old, wasn't always a pastor. He was actually born a Roman citizen and he was a rhetorician. He was a lawyer. He was a complete pagan, like a proud pagan. He had a mistress. He had children with this mistress. And he was blown away by the love and good news of Jesus around the 300s. And one of the things that Augustine said later after being blown away by the love of God, after he had let God love him, he, his encouragement with Christians was, if you will just reflect that love back to God, if you'll just love God, you can actually do whatever you want. The Christian life is just loving God and then doing whatever you want. Because if that love connection, that vertical, vertical love connection with God is established, you're not going to do anything that's going to offend God or make the heart of God sad. You're going to love out of the love he first gave us is what John tells us in 1 John 4. We love because he first loved us. Amen? And so with that in mind, I want to show you four things from this passage in Psalm 67 that the Lord wants to give us. The first one, if you're writing down, is that God wants to give you a blessing. God wants to give you a blessing. And it's a blessing he wants to give you to receive. you got to receive it. 
He's put it on offer. It's right there in the very first part of this passage, but you must receive it. In uh, verse 1, it says, may God be gracious to us and bless us, make his face to shine upon us. And then it goes on to say that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among the nations. So God wants to bless us, and he wants to bless us with namely his salvation. And this, this comes actually, this language, if you would have been in the audience and heard this psalm back then, written thousands of years ago, you would have immediately picked up on where this blessing comes from. It comes from the very first blessing in the scriptures that God's priest would give to God's people. It's known as the priestly blessing. It was given by Aaron, so it's known as the Aaronic blessing. Maybe you've heard it called the Aaronic blessing, and you think, well, I don't know what Aaronic blessing is. It's not Aaronic blessing. It's the Aaronic blessing. Aaronic blessing. All right? Aaronic blessing. Some of y'all got it. Aaronic blessing. The Aaronic blessing is when Moses and Aaron are leading the people out of Exodus and into the promised land, God says these words in Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. He says these words. He says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron. There's where he gets its name. Aaron and his sons, his sons would become priests. So this is the first priest. And his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, here it is, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom or peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. So this is known as the ironic blessing. I have a very important question to ask. Where are my Star Trek fans on all of our campuses? Show of hands. Where are the Trekkies at? A couple of Trekkies. How do Trekkies say hello to each other? How do they say hello to each other in Star Trek world? Do I remember? I see the camera person right here behind this camera is giving me the, the blessing right now. I see it right there. Okay, this is kind of crazy, but, you know, be, live long and prosper, right, if you're a Trekkie. My dad was a Trekkie, so I grew up having to watch Star Trek with him. I didn't know there was like a whole tribe of Star Trek people. I didn't know that the Star Trek people and the Star Wars people apparently compete. I don't know what the big competition is about anyway. But uh, live long and prosper. Here's the point I'm bringing this up. This is what I think of when I see this symbol. But the creator of Star Trek was actually Jewish. And so this is actually the sign of the ironic blessing. Little known fact. And so what the priests would do is they would hold up this sign and they would say that blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. They'd hold up their hands vertically and bless the people of God. It's, it's actually a Jewish letter. It's called the Sheen. It's the first part of the Shema, okay, which is about entering into the peace of God. And so the, the priest, Aaron, and all his sons to follow would hold up this at the end of the service and bless God's people. That's why if you grew up in church and you've heard pastoral blessing, what we would call the benediction at the end of a service, that's where it comes from. It comes from right here. What does all this have to do with anything? Well, I just want to just say this because there's been some confusion. There's been a really, really big misunderstanding. Do you know what God is trying to do? He's not trying to strike you with lightning. He's not trying to judge you. He's not. The primary thing God's trying to do to you is he's trying to, look at me, he's trying to bless you. God desires to bless you. This is the posture God has towards you. But it's a blessing you have to receive. And right here at the start of this psalm, you see all of this idea that God wants to bless you. But the rest of this passage and what we're going to talk about the rest of the day, you cannot do unless you will let God bless you first. 
You've got to let God bless you with his salvation or the rest of what we talk about today will never work. As a matter of fact, I'll come back to this point at the end. There's a lot of people that are going to try to do the things that we're going to activate at the end, but they haven't walked in the salvation of Jesus, and it's what makes it not work because they've never actually received the salvation of Jesus Christ. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. I was going to make sense in just a little bit. The first thing God wants to give you is a blessing. So it opens up with a blessing. The second thing that God wants to show you is he wants to show you a picture. He's going to give us in this passage a picture, and I'm going to paint it for you in just a moment. Not literally, but figuratively. I'm not much of a painter. But it's a painting, a picture in this psalm. And so the psalm actually is a chiasm. Now, chiasm is a structure thing. If you're an English major or you know anything about form and structure, this, this actual psalm, it builds from the outside in. And so the beginning and the end of the psalm all build to the middle. And uh, we've talked about this before here on stage and preached about this. And you can go back and watch that. It was in the Sermon on the Mount series. But all a chiasm is, 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 a, is a Semitic structure. In the West, in Greek world, where we all get our writing from, we begin a story over here and we write, 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 write. We make our point towards the end. That's the way we tell stories. That's the way we do movies, et cetera, et cetera. But in the Bible and in the Hebrew day, in the East, Semitic language, they actually don't make the point of the story at the end. Many times they put the point of the story in the very middle. And that's exactly what's happening. If you've got a copy of the scriptures open in Psalm 67, you will notice that the beginning and the end of the psalm are talking about blessing. And then you move inside another layer and you have a, a picture of nations worshiping. And then you move in another layer and dead at the middle is verse 4. And there is someone who is seen in verse 4. And I wonder if we will see this picture. In verse 4 of Psalm 67, it says this. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations upon the earth. So question, who's the you? Who's the you that all these people are singing to? Who's the you that the Hebrew nation was worshiping thousands of years ago? Who is the you? that is judging and guiding. This is king language, and the you is Jesus Christ sitting on a throne. And he's sitting on the throne, literally in the verses, surrounded by nations worshiping him. Look at verses three and look at verses five. They're the same exact language. It says, oh God, let the peoples praise you, oh God, let all the peoples praise you. And so you have a king on the throne and right on one side of him are people's praising him. And on the other side of him are people's praising him. Does that draw anybody's mind to any pictures they've seen in scriptures before? It's the picture of Revelation. It's the picture that perhaps you even sang at your campus today as we talked about all worth is yours, all honor and glory. You're worthy of all blessing and honor and glory if you love songs like the Revelation song that was written by Carrie Job, or the song we perhaps we sang this morning, Worthy is the Lamb, who, who can open the seal? This all comes from this picture. It's the picture of worship in the end, the picture of heaven. It's written by John, actually, and John talks about this picture. In, uh, in Revelation 5, in verse 9, it says this. It says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll, King Jesus, and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From where? Look at it, church. From every tribe and language and people and nation. 
and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So if you open up your Bible, you're going to see that there's a, there's a worship there. There's a picture of worship. There's a king on the throne, and there's worship all around him. And this worship is not just one kind of people. This worship is every nation and language, and, and there's all kinds of people there, which brings me to my third point this morning. So not only do we have a, a blessing to receive, not only do we have a, a picture of worship, but there's actually there's a sound that God wants to give us to hear. There's a sound. And so we're reading these words, but I just want to ask you a question. What do you think the worship in heaven sounds like? What do you think it sounds like? Uh, several years ago, I had the chance to go to Kenya on a mission trip. Very first time I'd ever been to Kenya. As a matter of fact, I was greeting this morning. I saw some friends that I made over there in Kenya, uh, and I told them I'm, I'm going to talk about our trip. And uh, anybody ever heard anybody worshiping in another language? Show of hands. Worshiping in another language? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you've ever been to one of our Spanish nights of worship, it's one of the coolest things ever. It's not my primary language. I know a little bit of Spanish, but it's incredible to see other people worshiping in another language. We went to Kenya on this mission trip. It was a medical mission trip, but we got to do a lot of different services. And I had only been on staff here at the church probably 16, 18 months, something like that. And they invite you to preach, but they preach and you preach through a translator. And so you may say, hey, Jesus loves you. And then they translate it to Swahili. But then they would translate it to a, another dialect after that. And so you're, it's like three-part echo. It's like Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. And so it's really kind of clunky to preach this way. Because you're preaching and waiting and preaching to wait. But one of the things that wasn't clunky, church, was when we got together to worship. Because we started worshiping, you could just sense in each person that they're worshiping the same God. And there was one word, by the way, that I understood in Swahili. Do you know what that one word was? Hallelujah. Why don't you say it out loud on three on all of our campuses? One, two, three. Hallelujah. No, come on, a little better. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Did you know that hallelujah is the same in every language? You might be speaking Cantonese in China today and you say hallelujah, they know what you mean. You might be speaking Portuguese in Brazil today and you say hallelujah, they know what you mean. You might be speaking uh, Spanish today and you, you might say hallelujah and they say, oh yeah, I know what that means. It means praise God. It's a, it's a Hebrew word, Hallel and Yahweh, praise to Yahweh, hallelujah. You see, there's a sound in heaven and it's a universal sound. It's the sound of praise to God. And I believe this is one of the hardwired things that God has done in the language of the people of the earth. It's actually a, a pointer. If we're going to ever figure out how to do unity, listen to me. If we're going to ever figure out how to do unity on Martin Luther King weekend in America, we've got to understand that the key to unity is found in the word hallelujah. Worship of Jesus together. He wants to bless us with salvation in Jesus. He wants to show us that there's a picture around the throne of Jesus. And he wants us to receive a sound. The sound of hallelujah is the key to unity. Because can I just be honest with this church? Unity's hard. Can I get an amen? It's hard. It's hard in whatever generation we're in. It's hard whether you're in America or whether you're in France. It's hard whether you're in Zambia or whether you're in Portugal. Unity's hard. It's not going to be easy. But the Lord wants to give us a, a sound that helps us walk into unity. Did you notice in the picture in Revelation 5 that there was no discord, no division, no fighting? 
You know why? Because there was the sound of worship. And there was the worship of the only one who can bring us into unity. You see, we have unity and diversity under the banner of hallelujah. Praise to God. Amen? And so I want to give you a chance this weekend to take a hold of this because the world, listen to me, look at me. The world's asking the question. Because the world can feel that there needs to be more unity. And the world's solution is that if we just get the right politician elected, if we just get the right policies passed, and the church is the people that hold the key, no, actually, if we just understand that we're all broken and we're all sinful and we're all falling short, but if we will just allow Jesus Christ to create humility in our hearts, we will get to a place of unity and diversity, and it's around the throne of Jesus Christ. It's around the sound of hallelujah. Amen? Come on. And so Jesus wants to give us a sound today. Now, the first three things are things that he wants to give us. The fourth one is, I believe, something hopefully you feel in your own heart. I want you to write this down. Jesus also wants to give us a mission to embrace. He wants to give us a blessing to receive. He wants to give us a picture to see in our minds. He wants to give us a sound to hear, but he wants to give us a mission to embrace. And I said at the top of this message that there's no way to embrace this mission if we miss point number one. You cannot go out into the earth and take a hold of the mission of Jesus if you don't first let God love you. Because you'll go outside into the world we live in and you'll try to take your ideas or your human effort or your emotion or your indignation and you will not be walking in the love of Jesus. You're not going to change the world without the love of Jesus, friend. you got to have the love of Jesus but there is a mission to embrace, and this mission is that we are called, look at me, we are called to not wait for heaven one day, but to bring heaven to earth today. Now, again, I love, I love good preaching. I love the truth of the gospel, that if we receive Jesus Christ, and we, we receive the forgiveness of Christ, that we will get to experience heaven in eternity. But listen to me, one of the things that can happen is we can we can get saved when we're 13 and think the rest of our life is just kind of living an escapist life until we get to go to heaven one day and we live without a purpose and without a mission for 40, 50, 60 years waiting on heaven. And I want you to know that is what Satan tries to do to make Christians fall asleep while they're here on earth and go, shh, just, just, just try to build your 401k for those 60 years you're on earth. Just, to, just try to climb the, the ladder of success while you're here on earth. Just try to, to acquire homes and material. Just, just fall asleep here on earth. You're saved and you'll go to heaven. But the, the enemy has got us believing that we, we go to heaven when we die. We don't get to bring heaven on earth. But the Lord's prayer, the one that we just prayed on all of our campuses today, it reminds us right there in the middle of the prayer that your kingdom come, your will be done where? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, we are supposed to be new creation signposts to the ultimate new creation in heaven one day. And that right now, when it comes to living on mission, I want you to look around the room you're in today. You are doing it. Every single time we make a decision on a Sunday morning to not lay in our beds and to get up and get dressed and to come out from our homes and to gather with people not like us from backgrounds that are not ours, that might have different opinions that differ than ours, but come together under Jesus Christ, we are beginning to preach the gospel. This is really important in a day post-coronavirus. 
where folks have just settled for staying at home. And listen, I'm not throwing any shade to my loved ones that are watching online today. Technology is beautiful. And if you're home and you're sick or you're traveling and you're on the road or whatever reason you, you're, you're there and you're not here, I, I want you to know that this is a fantastic resource. We need to leverage technology. But I want you to know that we have got to be on mission. And part of our mission is coming and being a part of the people of God in a community, singing hallelujah and standing side by side with men and women that are completely different in the socioeconomic world and in the ethnicity world that have different pigmentation than me and that there is something beautiful. And actually Ephesians chapter three says that it is a signpost not to just people that in the scene realm, but it says that the angels and the demons are looking on and they see Ephesians 3, go read it. It says they see the manifestation of the fullness of the church and we are preaching to the unseen realm that heaven has come and is coming. The kingdom of God has come and is coming. And so I just want to encourage you that you are living right now on mission if you're in the building today. Be here next week and we'll live on mission some more. Be here tomorrow morning as we get together and pray and we'll live on mission some more. We have a mission to embrace. The way that we specifically have phrased this mission in our value statements at New Spring Church is that we want to be a people that are pursuing uncommon unity. We desire to be a people that are both multi-generational, Gen Z all the way up to the oldest person at a campus today. We desire not only to be a multi-generational people, but a multi-ethnic people because that's what this Bible right here tells us is coming. Now, I, wanna, I, I, I got a green light this morning from the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to my conservative friends. And I want you to know, don't you let people, listen to me, don't you let people that are around you try to intimidate you by celebrating the kingdom of God this weekend because they're going to label you as quote-unquote woke. We have to be more kingdom of God than we're worried about politically correct. Now, this weekend, we're going to talk about Dr. King. Come back next week, we're going to talk about sanctity of life. We're going to get everybody up in here nice and offended by the word of God. Okay? And this is one of the most beautiful things we have an opportunity to do. So if you're not a Christ follower, we should confuse you. Because we're not going to fit into the political mold of America. We're going to fit into the kingdom mold of this word. And we're going to be a multi-ethnic, multi-generational people. And it's not because Disney told us to. That's not the, that's not the mold. It's going to be because Jesus Christ, long before there were elephants and donkeys, died for it. And the blood of the lamb is making a people today on every part of the world. And he has called us to care about being vertical, not right or left. And so I want to give you permission this weekend as we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King, who loved Jesus and qualified himself as a believer and took up the tools of Jesus to practice nonviolence in the face of some really incredible opposition. And he had a dream. And do you know what dream he put in front of people on that Washington Mall? Go read it. He put Revelation 5.9 and Revelation 7.9 in front of people, people that might not have known Jesus. And he said, I've got a dream one day that there will be young people, children from every ethnic background holding hands. Go read it. And they'll be gathered around a throne and they see the glory of God. That's what he said. He was preaching revelation to political people. 
And that dream that he had, it's being done today. Look around your campus. That's the picture, friends. Last weekend, I was at our Greenville campus, y'all, and I, I got moved. And so if you want to be encouraged, go visit another campus. I got moved because I was looking around the room in Greenville last weekend. I'm going to tell you something. There were old people there and there were young people there. There were black people there and there were white people there and there was every shade in between. And I was watching everybody sing that hallelujah in worship. And they didn't know I was preaching this message today, but I did. And the Holy Spirit was working on me. I walked out in the atrium after the service. And I'm just standing in the atrium hugging folks and saying hello. And I see this 30-year-old woman walking to me with, with tears in her eyes. And I could tell she wanted to tell me something. And she came to me and she started speaking to me in broken English. And her story goes something like this. Jesus met her in her dreams when she was a young girl in Iran. And then a missionary came and told her who that Jesus in her dreams was. And she gave her life to Christ. She not only gave her life to Christ, she led her mama and her family to Christ as well. And she had a, a cross to bear because she gave her life to Christ. You see her Muslim husband divorced her. And she found her way to the United States and she found her way to the people of God and she came to me with tears in her eyes and she said, I just, pastor, I want to say thank you, your church, and it's not my church, I'm just one of the pastors here, just like all the other pastors here, your church is my home, God's building a no ordinary family and y'all, I just got blessed last week with my sister from Iran who had met Yeshua, my Savior and her Savior. I take two steps from that conversation and I walk into a conversation with an with a Anglo brother. That's white for some of y'all, all right? My Anglo brother tells me that this has been his church for the last four or five years, that he came to Greenville, South Carolina, an atheist. And he got cancer. And as an atheist with cancer, he was lying in the hospital and he was anticipating death and had a lot of questions about eternity because you know there's no atheists in foxholes. Everybody knows that. He said that there was a nurse that came to his bedside and asked if she could lay hands and pray on him. Thank you so much, nurses and doctors. I love you guys. Undercover missionaries. And he said, you know, I'm an atheist, but I'll let you pray. I'm in, I'm in a desperate place. He said he let that nurse pray, and she prayed in Jesus' name, and he felt something in his soul change. And he ended up giving his life to Jesus, and he would find out through the next few weeks that not only did Jesus saved his soul, but he gave him physical health as well. Now, six years later, he is physically healthy, and he's a part of our Greenville campus as well. And God is building a beautiful people from every nation and tribe and background. And we're all going to sing hallelujah in eternity, but I want to invite you to start singing hallelujah now. We're all a picture of the new kingdom, but I want you to recognize we're a picture now. So the next time it's a little bit wet outside and rainy on a Sunday morning, get yourself out of bed and come preach the gospel with brothers and sisters and sing a hallelujah. The next time that your kids are acting crazy on a Sunday morning, I know how that goes, fight it and get them dressed up and come and bring a hallelujah because we're preaching the new creation. And I want you to, this weekend and every single weekend we celebrate Dr. King weekend, I want you to just engage with your friends at work and your friends at school and you point out the new kingdom that's coming. Because Dr. King was on to something and we can embrace it. And we can 
talk about how the kingdom of God is a kingdom that's beyond this kingdom. We can live vertically and not be caught up and distracted by living right or left. Invite people to something more, something transcendent. You see, listen to me, friends. Our mission exists where worship doesn't. Our personal mission and the mission we need to live on, it it exists where worship like that doesn't. And it doesn't exist in our world today. So our mission exists where worship doesn't. And as we come to a time of close, I want to go ahead and invite you on all of our campuses to stand to your feet. And as you stand to your feet, I'm going to tell you a story. It's a beautiful picture of this exact thing that happened about 300 years ago. You see, in early 1700, 1727, as a matter of fact, there was some persecution that was happening in Europe. It actually was persecution that was falling out because of the Reformation. And there were some people from the nation of Moravia, Moravians, that were being persecuted. And so they left their homeland and they moved. They found, they found sanctuary in modern-day Germany. There was a 27-year-old man that had inherited a t- whole bunch of land. His name is Count Zinzendorf. That's a fun name to say, Count Zinzendorf. And at 27, he had all this land and he had these refugees that were coming. And they found places of sanctuary on his property. They essentially squatted there and he said, you could stay because they were all Christians following Jesus. And they, they started having all kinds of discord and division because you can imagine people from different backgrounds trying to wear property rights and where, 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 you know, they just had a whole bunch of disunity. And so Count Zinzendorf started inviting them to pray together. So they started praying together and as they prayed together, their division and discord went away and God gave them unity. Isn't that cool how that works? As they prayed together, God gave them unity. And then they not only began in praying together, they began worshiping together, and there began to be a prayer movement. Listen to me, you can go and Google this. They prayed together, and people continued praying on that same property for 100 years. It's now known as the Moravian Prayer Movement. Because what would happen is as they started praying, they recognized that mission existed where worship didn't. And so... God would unite them in prayer and then show them where they needed to go out and live on mission. The first two to go and live on mission heard about slaves in the Caribbean that had never heard the good news of Jesus. And these two men were carpenters and sold themselves into slavery to go and tell slaves in the Caribbean about the good news of Jesus. And they get on a ship and they get on the ship to wave goodbye to their family, this was the line. You've heard it before. I think we've even talked about it from this stage before. Here was the line that they would yell from the ship, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Now, I'm just going to be honest. I hear that and I think, oh my God, that's radical. These guys sold themselves into slavery and left their family and friends to go and share the good news with people that would never hear it? May the lamb that was slain and what well, may he receive the, the reward of his suffering? But I just want to tell you, friends, God's invited us into a radical following of him. We're going to worship for eternity, but we're only going to be on mission for a season. Would you come and go on mission? And God might not call you across the Atlantic, but he might call you across the street. He might call you across the classroom. He might call you across the train tracks. He might call you across the cubicle. He might call you across the job site. God still does this. When you are so moved by the worth of King Jesus, you will go on mission.
and you will help people get a picture and a sound and receive that blessing of salvation. So today, I want to invite you to come and be refreshed again. For you today, if you've never received Christ, in your room, there's a cross. Come and receive the blessing of forgiveness of sins. Eternity, eternal security where you don't have to fear death and dying because you're going to live forever. And not only death and dying, but you get to also live on mission now. The next series, friends, we're going to talk about the crisis of meaning that people are walking in. You want to you live a life of meaning and purpose? Come get some of Jesus. He'll show you what real meaning and purpose is. You can come and respond to the cross in just a moment if you need him. If you're a Christian or a saint in the room, you've already received Jesus, come and be refreshed by receiving communion. Be reminded that Jesus Christ gave his body and blood to you, not just so you can go to heaven one day, but so you might bring heaven in our world today. Amen? So come and be refreshed in that way. If you want to receive prayer, we've got prayer areas. You might need prayer for healing, like the story I just shared of my friend that had cancer on his deathbed. You might need to come and receive prayer for healing for something physical or something at your home or maybe some strife in your marriage or in relationship. Come and receive prayer today. Maybe today you want to respond by worshiping. Hallelujah! The sound of unity as we worship Jesus Christ. Or maybe you want to respond by giving. You can do all of that, but I just want you to make a plan. And let's respond in an everyday way over this next week. Amen? Let's pray together and I'll invite you to respond. With head bowed and eyes closed, ministry teams, if you want to go ahead and make your way to the, the spaces you're going to be in, come now. And Father God, would you be blessed? We love you. Would you bless your church in these days as we have a chance to engage while people are asking for the question of what unity looks like and how in the world are we going to get unity in America? How in the world are we going to get unity post-coronavirus? in the middle of political strife, in the middle of economic strife, how are we going to get unity? Lord, would you put a people in the way that says, I know a solution. I know the way for unity. I know how we find it. And Lord, would you put the words, hallelujah, praise God in our mouths and in our hearts so that we might take unity into our spaces. We ask, King Jesus, that you be honored. Would you refresh us now as we respond to you? Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you come now and respond?